for Cigar Talk, the fastest growing cigar show in the nation. Whether you're a new cigar enthusiast or a cigar aficionado, we have something for everyone. Bringing you the best interviews, cigar reviews, and weekly giveaways. So grab yourself a cigar. It's time to light them up. Hey, welcome back, Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones. We got co-host Bryant Falconer in the studio with us today. How you doing today, Bryant? Hey, man, I'm doing good, doing good. Awesome, man. We got a few things on the table for the show today. We'll talk about what we're smoking. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some cigar sponsors that we have. And then uh, if you follow up on the second half of the show, we're going to have a great interview with David Blanco from Blanco Cigars. He's got a great story. You're not going to want to miss that, so make sure you hang on through the break. And then uh, we will also be doing our monthly uh, music selection for the cigar talk playlist and uh, i'm gonna tell you uh it was closer than i thought it would be <laughs> i thought i would run away with it but it was actually so far since the last one we've done a 60 40 split so you guys that hate country went with bryant and that says a lot because that's not saying that they like your music <laughs> that's them saying that they hate country any way you want to dress hey it. i'll work it any way i can <laughs> so anyway we'll be doing the music and then we'll uh, talk about a couple of other different things that we've got going on uh this week so uh let's get to what we're smoking first what are you smoking today brian yeah i'm smoking a Dermo lot 23 maduro uh it's a medium offer Ah, man, you can taste those earthy tones in it. There's a, a tinge of coffee and pepper. And it just, like, especially now and now I'm in the third, the last third of it, I can feel that pepper more. Right. I can feel that pepper a lot more. And it's just like, man, this is a great stick. See, Bruh. I'm going to tell you, well, I'll tell you what, it's a, to me, it's a great value stick. Mm, yeah. What, what does that cost? About seven, seven bucks? Dollars, yep. Seven bucks. For, for seven bucks for a Perdomo, you're doing good. Yes, sir. And Perdomo, you know, the thing I talked to one of the Perdomo reps, uh, I don't know, about six weeks ago. And uh, the one of the things that he told me was they actually have a draw machine and they put every single stick on the draw machine. And it's got a little pump uh -huh. that actually takes a draw through the cigar. Okay. And if it doesn't pass, they throw it out. Hey, so quality. I mean, dude. And and I even said, you know, I've never had a Padron that didn't have a perfect draw. Padromo? Did I say Padron? Yes, sir. Hey, well, I've never had a Padron that had a bad draw either. No, that's true, too. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I started fantasizing for a oh, second. Man. Padron. Yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, the Perdomo, man, I'm super impressed with that company, and they're definitely on my list. And speaking of list, uh, not this show, but next week. What is next week? No, you know what? It's going to be the week after that. Okay. It's the last show of the month, okay. whenever that is. Yeah. I'm going to be announcing the Cigar Talk Top 10 Cigars of the First Half of the Year. And uh, we're working on a little side note. I can't tell you anything else about it right now. But anyway, just know that at the end of the month, we're coming out with the Cigar Talk Top 10. And I'll tell you what, when I went into making this list, I didn't go in making like the ultimate cigar list. Because you're not going to find 
you know, $20 sticks on this list. This is this is your working man's top 10. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to come up with a list that people were like, oh, well, I'm not going to smoke that because it's 30 bucks. <laughs> so I came out with my top 10, and it's an affordable list. It's an everyday guy's list, but it's all rock-solid gotcha. cigars. Gotcha. So anyway, uh, we'll be coming out with that at the end of the month, so you guys be looking for that. And then uh, we also did a poll on Instagram, and if the poll on Instagram is wrong, you guys shoot me emails and let me know. But I did a poll that said, do you guys want to keep us doing one show a week, or do y'all want to bump it up to two shows a week? And if we do two shows a week, we'd be releasing one probably on Thursdays and another one on Saturdays. But anyway, the poll came back. For one show a week was 42%, and for two shows a week, it was 58%. And that's really not enough of a landslide for us to be like, okay, let's go ahead and do two shows. If it gets up to about 75 80%, then we'll really take a close look at it. But right now, I think we're just going to stick with the one show, focus on doing good content. And uh, also, if you guys have our email on our website at www.cigartalkpodcast.com. Uh, go in there and click on the email and send me a link if there's some topic that you guys would like us to talk about. We're always open to suggestions. Uh, Bryant's more open than I am. Yes. No, I'm just kidding you. But anyway, uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. I got a lot of great messages this week. Uh, man, I tell you what, we had uh, registrations this week just in the masses. And uh, that's because, you know, we've partnered up with uh, Luxury Cigar Club of the Month. And each week we're going to be announcing the winner. And the winner gets uh, one month free of the Luxury Cigar Club box. And I tell you what, I just got mine in the mail and they knocked it out of the park again. I mean, dude. I'm telling you, it's like Christmas. I know I sound like a broken record, but <laughs> my favorite mail day. Because yeah, yeah. I never know what I'm going to get, but I always know it's going to be something good. And I think everything in the box was something that I can't get at our shop except for one. The only one that we carried locally is the Hiram Solomon Lancero. And uh, I haven't smoked that one yet, but I know it's a great stick. Yeah, I'm waiting on my box now. So Yeah, I know. Uh, Bryant finally jumped on the bandwagon and ordered <laughs> up, so now he's waiting for his box. All right, so let's get right into the music selection of Bryant Falconer. He's got... Uh, he's got an interesting list. I'll say that <laughs> I uh, didn't know. I I didn't know one of these songs for sure. And really, to tell you yeah. the truth, I don't think I knew two of your songs, uh -oh. which is surprising. Yeah, because I am a fan of the artist, but I didn't know the, the song. song. Yeah, okay. you kind of reached back, didn't you? Uh, I just went back to my my mindset. You know, sitting back in a chair, uh, enjoying a great stick, and you have to have that atmosphere by yourself. So you want some music that's playing that can keep you in that mood and that mode. I hear you. And that's where I went with it. So here's your first song. And it will be Mercy, Mercy Me by Marvin Gaye. All right, let's hear what you got. And see, this is one I didn't know. Okay. I know the artist. Oh, mercy, mercy me. That velvet voice oh, with that. that, oh. that, that oh, man. Dude. I was surprised you didn't go with Marvin Gaye last week. You know, I, had... I understand you could only do three songs. That's right. That's right. Whoa, mercy, mercy, 
Yeah, you know what? I take that back. I do know this song. Yes, you know, you heard that part of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you okay, now I know. Now I know that song. Yeah. I used to have, back when we used CDs, uh. <laughs> some Marvin Gaye CDs, man. I'd be on the road, and I would just book? let it roll. Did you have the book oh, yeah. with it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Full of CDs? Yeah, and I mean, dude, you could put on Marvin Gaye, and just oh. every time it ended, just hit Repeat. repeat. And look up you where you where you need to be. Like, how did I get it? Oh, I understand. More. All right, <laughs> All right let's listen for a bit. All right, I'm gonna give you. That's a good song, man. I like it. So, uh, all right. Well, let's talk about what you got coming up next. My second of the three takes me back to my high school days in my rock and roll. But it is a perfect song, Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. Oh, it is a perfect song. So what year did you graduate? 85. See, I was thinking like 62. My mother was 12 <laughs> years old in 62. Okay. <laughs> All right, here's Cashmere. You can't go wrong with Zeppelin. No, sir. Ah. And, you know, Jimmy Page was the first one to do that volume Body knob of, yes. to make it sound like yes. a cello yes. yes man i can sit back and i see myself in high school man ah. listen to kc95 and letting this come across the radio because you know we listen to radios then. right right <laughs> ah. Man, you talking about just bliss. Hey, but that's exactly right, radios. Because you know what's funny is I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, uh-huh. and it was KFMX. Oh. <laughs> Ours was KC95, and the mascot was a pig smoking a joint with headphones wow. on. Wow. And his name was Sweet Meat. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, now you guys should see him over here. He is like smiling from ear to ear. All right, now let's talk about what your next one's going to be. The third one is another uh, sitting in the Lazy Boy, a nice uh, glass of bourbon, a good stick, and just listen to Masquerade by George Benson. And see, I've never heard of George Benson, or at least I, I jazz, remember the television jazz, show Benson. No, George Benson. <laughs> You're talking about ultimate jazz right you now. You remember Benson? Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> Robbie a great Gu- show. Robbie Guillaume. Yeah. You know, he's from St. Louis. Too. I did not know yes, that. Sir. Yes, sir. I like it. Sitting back, man. Lights down low, just sitting there chilling, drinking your nice little bourbon. You talking about just enjoying yourself, Are brother? Just really enjoying yourself. With this game we're listen to, it, listen to. It. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm digging that. Yeah. I gotta tell you. Searching but not finding, understanding anywhere. I gotta tell you, man. In a mask, masquerade. Lost in this masquerade. Yeah, I tell you what, I like that. Yeah. 
That's that's a surprise because I don't know that artist <laughs> and I don't know that song, but I dig it. All right. So there's uh, your list. Go vote. Go and vote. Got, and now, wait a minute. You know what I'm going to do is, uh, how do we want to do the vote on that? Do we need to put up a poll on Instagram? Because I hate leaving out anyone who's not on Instagram. Or should we just do emails? Just emails because that will allow everyone to have a format to come in and make their, and make All their right. choice. So if you guys want to vote for Bryant, send us an email and if you want to vote for me uh just send an email because i I know i in fact all the emails that i read were for me so i think that's the best format anyway (laughs) so here's going to be my first song i'm just kidding no that was for all the people who hate country i just wanted to throw that out there that's like old country from the 40s (laughs) So my first song is by the Almond Brothers. Mm. And so you know what's better than moonshine? What? Soul shine. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I could get to this. Listen to that guitar. Yeah. When you can't find the light that guides you through a cloudy day. You know this song? When no, but I like it. Of course you like it. When the candle of home burns so very far away. I like that face in the back too. That dude can sing. Just like my that Greg Alvin. Yeah. Did you catch all that? Yeah, yeah. Better than sunshine, sunshine, moonshine, and (laughs) and damn sure better than rain. Ah. It's a great song, man. Uh, A lot of people forget about the Allman Brothers. It's not one of those bands that you automatically think of back in the day, but they had a string of hits. They just know that shirt. Wasn't that Sherry's husband? No, Sonny Bono? No, the other one. Oh, man, she'd been married more than once. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I don't keep up with who Cher was married to. Let's see. So here's my next one. Uh, This one may uh, surprise you. All right. Well, here's one that I'm going to go ahead and do. And this is Miles Davis Backseat Betty. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a huge Miles Davis fan. And really, to to do Miles Davis justice, you got to put it on the LP vinyl. Sir. Yes, sir. I could sit back and just, this is hitting my soul. Yeah. Whoever that is on the bass oh. and that snare with it. Yeah, that's bad. Oh, man. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, isn't that sweet? And right here. That's you. And he's plucking it, man. Come on. He's plucking that bass. Come on. That's that Larry Graham technique. Hey, but that trumpet yeah. slam. Oh, man. When it came to trumpets. 
we have to say, Rob, you have a little taste, man. Oh, you easy. have a little taste. All right, so we'll wrap that up. All right, that was my number two, and I got to remember what I had for number. Oh, oh, I don't know how it didn't get on the list, but it's on the list now. Okay. All right, this is a little Otis Redding. Ooh. That's one song you got to get into. This is not sitting on the docket of the Yes, I'll be sick Bruh, how did you get this music in Lubbock? Come on, man. Oh, my. I grew up with my mom and my aunt who loved good music. This is my dad, man. Yeah. Watching the tide roll away. Sitting on the dock of the bay. You hear the tide rolling in. I left my home in Georgia. Georgia. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. All right, man. I'm, I'm going to turn it off. Otherwise, we're just going to sit here and listen to some good music. I have to say, this is six songs <laughs> that but you can't go wrong. Oh, man. man people are going to have to. This, now, this may be closer than the last one. I, it, it truly should be closer than the last one. This would be one of those percentages. Yeah, it's going to be tough. 49, because, 51. And, and a big part of it is because I didn't really go too far right. out. Yeah. Kind of kept it. But, yeah. you know, I just went with what I like. Yeah. You see, the, the, these are songs you can sit yourself, see yourself sitting back and, okay, I got a good stick. I'm just sitting back chilling or chilling with someone, another. Right. and. Boom, here it comes. Right. It's just a perfect mood enhancer. That's what it is, oh. mood enhancer. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I was impressed with all three of your songs, so yeah. I, I would even say it's going to be tough. Yeah, you you truly impressed me. You you shocked me. <laughs> you shocked, especially with that Otis Red. Hey, and don't forget the little country intro. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a tear in, in my beer. beer. That did not surprise uh, me. <laughs> no, I was just kidding with that one. So anyway, let's it's, it's time to talk about our sponsors right quick. Yes, uh, we've got the Alpha Cigar company and uh, we've been smoking their cigars now shoot i guess it's been a month uh they were a sponsor for a month and we've been smoking them and i tell you what uh i have really enjoyed them i know you have and then i was talking to nathan earlier today and he was yeah. just going on about how much he loved the diffuser yes, yes so if you guys haven't checked out alpha cigar company you need to check them out they're on our website when you go to look at the link to this episode right down below is their logo which is like a three-headed dog yes what's that called uh Service, sir, service, something like that. Okay, the third, the I heard somebody. Dog. I heard someone say what it was. I didn't know, but anyway, uh, you can click on their link and it'll take you to show you what all cigars they have. And uh, anyway, I'm a big fan. Uh, it was a new cigar for me, and we just want to say thank you, Alpha Cigar Company, for being a sponsor. We really do appreciate it. And then, of course, our other sponsor is Hireman Solomon Cigars, which everybody knows we love them, too. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, since we've been smoking their cigars for the last, I guess, five weeks now, I'll tell you what, I've maintained the Traveling Man is still my favorite. 
Traveling Man, Master Mason. No. My favorites. Now, what was that one you smoked last week? Architect. Yeah, the Grand Architect. Yeah. I still Sneaky. haven't tried one of those, but oh. I've been wanting to because you said it Bruh, gave you a, a buzz. buzz. <laughs> I had to put that stick down and reassess myself and say, okay, this is a true stick. And you know I like strong. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, so, you do. But I also, I don't, I'm not, you know, I, I don't just smoke strong cigars. Nope. Uh, earlier today, man, I smoked a, uh, oh, it was so good. I smoked the Agonorsa Leaf Corojo. Uh-huh. You haven't had one no, of those, I, I don't believe. No. They've got them at the Leaf now. And I tell you what, man, it is a home-run cigar. Okay. Uh, and what's funny is I'm sitting there just, you know, enjoying it. Oh, it was so good. And Nathan comes in, and he comes out, and he goes, man, I'm loving this Corojo. And I said, well, dude, you should try the Agonorsa Leaf Corojo. Okay. Okay. And he was like, that's what this is. <laughs> and I was like, oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we both just sat there smoking that stogie, and it was amazing. Hey, I'm going to give that one a try. I mean, yeah, dude, try. it had it's a box press and it has the perfect draw and man it was just is a nice stick i can't go on enough about it i guess i probably already have yeah talking like you undressed it. yeah well hey i did i took the <laughs> wrapper off and smoked it all the way down uh, anyway uh we got a small break coming up and uh, if you stick with us until after the break we've got the interview with uh, blanco coming up uh it was uh, a little lengthy so uh, sit back and enjoy the show i hope you got a cigar going because uh, you're going to enjoy the show so stick with us we'll be right back All right, welcome back, Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones, and we have a special guest with you. I've been telling you guys for weeks, we have finally got David Blanco on the show. You know his cigars. You know the blends that he does for the Hiram Solomon. You know the blends he does for Warfighters. We had those guys on a few weeks ago. We want to welcome you to the show, David. We appreciate you coming. How you doing, brother? Thank you for having me, my friend. It is a pleasure and honor to be here. Oh, man, we've been waiting for this. So uh, let's talk about what we're smoking right quick. Uh, everybody knows I love this cigar already because I'm always talking about it. It's the uh, uh, Blanco Liga Exclusiva. That's right, Di Familia, if you want to say the whole name, but it's too damn long, so we just go with Liga oh. Exclusiva. All right, Literally, cool. that you... simply means translated in English, the exclusive blend of the family. Oh, nice. Lucy, Liga Exclusiva is just exclusive blend, which oh. is fine. That's sure. We just use that. So who does the blending for your cigar line? You're, well, in this case, you're listening to them. That's what I thought. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was going to say you're looking at him, but nobody's looking right now. I'm looking at him. So anyway, uh, so how long have you been blending? Well, I started in the industry as a, as a blender, and of course, I knew absolutely virtually nothing about blending, and I should probably turn my phone ringer off since we're just starting today, because I'm starting to get messages from people all over the planet. Nice. Um, but I, uh, I was lucky to have, uh, very early on, a mentor uh, who was uh, Cuban heritage and in the industry since he was eight years old. Now, is that part of your family? No, he was not part of our family. He worked oh, wow. for our family. Oh, okay. Um, in, the, in the factory, and his name was Avelio Oviedo Dominguez. Uh, he was the Cuban cigar rolling president back in the 50s before the revolution, 
and he was also uh, intimately involved in the running of the A. Chupman factory and responsible for a ton of blends that people uh, smoke all the time but aren't aware of because in this industry you usually don't hear about the blenders you know about the faces of the industry and the brand owners but you never get to hear about the actual blenders which is where one of the true arts is in this industry well i agree 100 percent. that's why we've been chomping at the bits to have you on the show because having a badass blender is Boy. something that we want to have on the show you're, you're making me you're, you're gonna have me live up to this now hey. Boy, it's gonna be tough well right. all the cigars i've smoked you've lived up to it thank you thank so, you very much oh, and that's man, the, put, the proof is in the pudding if people enjoy my cigars that's what uh that's what tells me i'm doing something right awesome man so let's talk a little bit about your history uh i read a little bit of your bio but you know so everybody who's listening to the show can know a little bit about your family history Sure. My family is uh, originally from Cuba. Um, I was the first one born in the United States, which is why I have the accent I have. It's from Chicago. I was going to say Chicago, right? Yeah. I was the first one born here. Uh, My family's been in the industry since the 1800s. I'm actually the fifth generation in the business. Wow. Um, It would have been lost with me had I not gotten back in the business because of my American-born heritage here. But uh, in in the mid-90s, we we decided to get back into the family business. And... uh, uh, we opened up our own factory in Ybor City. Uh, when I say we, it's my father and my uncle and myself. Okay. Uh, all of us military veterans. I saw that. Yeah. Your dad served. 27 and, years. Wow. And my uncle over 20. Uh, and they fled Cuba, right? They did, as, as children. And right. they came here as uh, teenagers uh, and um, and grow, grew up transitioning as, an, as American kids and both joined the military. Oh, yeah, and, I saw your dad served in, uh, uh, what was it, Iraq? He served in Iraq, among right. other places. Right. Uh, but that was his last one and before he retired. And, now, um, how old is your dad now? 70s and i'm that's all i'm gonna say because if i say anymore he'll probably get angry at me but <laughs> i'll, I'll just, just say 70s hey so he's 70s doing well and he's been a cigar smoker for how long all his life all his life Absolutely. i'd love to hear that yeah. you know the stigma you smoke well, you die when you're 20 oh, so. are you serious i mean i hate to bring up deaths <laughs> in this industry but this past year and a half two years it's been quite a few of the older generation, but not from smoking None cigars, of them right? Were from in fact, who was I talking to? Uh, last week we did an interview, and uh, I'm sure you know uh, Mike Rosales. Yeah, and he said there's never been a death certificate that was a- attributed to mm-hmm. smoking. That's correct. So I'm like, I love to hear that. Yeah. Unfortunately, most of those guys though were were getting to the end of that generation being around, and it's very unfortunate because it's a wealth of knowledge experience knowledge and uh i hate to say it but i think some of it is going to be lost because uh this generation and my generation uh just have not it it doesn't have the depth uh and and, i mean there are some of us that have studied and really tried to keep a lot of that information and and keep it to the next generation as far as blending and farming and things of that nature but there seem to have been so many in that previous generation my father's generation and my grandfather's generation and it just doesn't seem to be that they're there now anymore as in the in the numbers that there were then well and you know i I think it's a changing of time not just in the cigar business Mm -hmm. but i mean you look at like my dad and his dad Mm -hmm. i mean just that whole way of life that where people really cared about the craft they were in it's changed it has the funny part is though it's it's changed in a way nowadays that we're smoking more cigars now than there ever have been in the past when those guys were making them and and blending them and farming right but it seems there's less of the masters right 
than there were from those days, which is kind of, you would think that, well, there's more demand, there's more larger consumption, there's more blends, there's more brands. Well, there must be more masters out there. Right. Well, the true masters that I know and that I've had the luck and uh, ability to be around in their presence, they're, uh, they're just not that, that many left. And, and in my age group, the next generation or my father's generation, which is now ending and they're re- retiring, there's just not many. I mean, I know I can name a few names that are in my generation that absolutely are, uh, I would consider, uh, you know, masters. Right. But there's the, the names that I could have named, you know, from people that are 20, 30 years older than me. Right. Just, on just and a on handful and on. Now. There just seems to be a handful right. um, that are known. Now, again, like I said in the beginning when I started, there are those that nobody knows about that are truly blending some great cigars out there. I see. Um, but you never hear about them because they don't own anything. They're working in the factories. Um, they're native of Nicaragua or they're native of Cuba or they're native of Honduras, and they work in the factories, and they don't own the brands, so you never hear about them. But those are the true people that are putting things together, and it's not just the blenders. There's actually four links in the chain that I usually refer to as expertise in this industry. Okay. The first one is farming. Okay. Without good tobacco, which is the farming where it starts, the rest is garbage. Gotcha. The next link is fermentation. If you don't have good fermentation of good tobacco, you can ruin it. So it's garbage. Then you have the blending expertise. You can have both the first two, but if you got a, a horrible blender, you got nothing. Right. And you can have all those three. And if you don't have an expert in rolling the construction, you ruin all the other three. So wow. those are the four links in the chain that I see as the expertise, and they're all fe- all separate from each other. Right. You have to have experts in each one of those fields, and very rare is anybody an expert in multiple fields. Maybe you're an expert in blending and fermentation. Maybe. Very few of those, but that goes hand in hand because you have to understand fermentation so you understand how to blend. Gotcha. But farming and rolling, usually those people have no concept of one to the other. Do they even talk to each other? Not generally speaking. I got you. Those are separate industries entirely. Wow. One is pre-industry and one is we're at the very end finishing the product. Wow. So, you know, it's uh, one of those things. It takes, literally, it takes an army. And there are a lot of people behind me that I have to give credit to for that cigar you're smoking and you're thanking me for. Yes, I blended it. But without the person fermenting that tobacco, which I had to learn about, by the way, the experts in fermentation, without them doing the right thing, it wouldn't be the tobacco I have to use to blend. And without my family growing the tobacco, I wouldn't have the material to begin with. Now, and this particular cigar I'm smoking, tell us what size this is. That is a Salomon. Uh, it's Salomon. a 7 by 54. So mm-hmm. how hard is it to roll this? Uh, more difficult than your average cigar. When I say average, I mean Toro, Robusto, Churchill. Um, uh, the shapes are the, what we call figurados, figures, figure shapes, are definitely a little bit more um, complex in rolling because this is where you have problems with draw because people bunch too tight or not tight enough, and you have canoeing and things of that nature if you don't have a skilled uh, level of roller to be able to do those sizes, which, is, a, what I, which is what I mentioned. The fourth link in this chain, chain is rolling. Right. So you have different skills and levels of skill in rolling. And I, what I love about this cigar is when you first light it up, you know, it doesn't have a big draw mm-hmm. because the it's tip. Got a nipple. Right. It's got a nipple at the end. And then once it blooms into a flame, mm-hmm. man, the draw is perfect. 
and the change of flavor profile because there's a different ring gauge at that point with the wrapper versus filler binder. Wow. So you're going to get a lot of change in that cigar because a Salomon will narrow as it, it, it it's narrow in the beginning. It gradually gets wider, and then it starts narrowing almost in a conical shape as you smoke it. So you'll, in that cigar, you'll find a, a constant, or you should find a constant, subtle change in the smoke. Well, I'll tell you what, I love it. it I was gifted one, I guess, probably about six or seven weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I smoked it, and then I was on a hunt to find it. Well, it's, I got them here now at the shop we're doing this interview that's at. That's right. So if anybody around the Leaf wants to come by and get them, we have everything that Blanco pretty carries. Pretty much, yeah. We got three or four sizes in every blend I have. Yeah. And so as soon as I smoked this, I was like, I got to find them. Thank you, bro. So thank, thank you, you for bringing much. them in. Hey, listen, it's, it's an honor to have somebody say they like your art. And I consider myself an artist of tobaccos. I can't paint. I can't draw. But you have a degree in arts. Well, it's well, it's a bachelor of arts. I mean, my, my, yeah, I have a regular bachelor's degree. It's not a bachelor of science. So you're so not a, a painter. No, I'm not a painter. I can't sketch. I can't do uh, molds. I can't do sculptures. But I sculpt in tobacco. I nice. guess you could say. So when people say they like my my cigars, that's they, your they art. Like my art, and I, yeah. I'm very grateful and and humble about it. You, you know. It's not, uh, there's a lot of cigars out there. Well, and the there's a lot of good ones. Yeah, you know? there's a lot of good cigars out there. So when people say they like yours, you know. And and you know thanks. what? I was at a shop earlier today in Fort Worth. Uh, I was at the Paladin visiting a couple of friends there. Mm, great you job, know those Matthew. Guys. Yeah, Matthew absolutely. and Aaron, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great guys. In fact, I smoked one of these, uh, what was it, Monday when I stopped by there. And uh, we were talking about cigars, and, you know, there's just so many good cigars available. What sets a cigar apart? from other cigars and we were talking about your cigars actually and what quality they are and the value they are because when i first lit this cigar up and saw the way it was wrapped Mm -hmm. i was like this has got to be a 14 15 cigar yeah misnomer yeah yeah and 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 i'll tell you why um and and not everybody's in the position i'm in right so and i say that because I have family in this industry that happen to be the largest tobacco growing family in the business, the Placentias. Which so, is also a great cigar company. Absolutely. And and I have the availability of tobaccos that not a lot of boutique brands have. There are some others, but not a lot of them. And uh, as a result of the availability of tobacco that we have, I can use anything that is available to them. And we have we have tobacco from 50 different countries wow. that we purchase, not to mention all the tobacco they grow in Nicaragua and Honduras. <laughs> I want to know what cigars you're smoking down there while you're down there just messing around. The ones I mess around <laughs> with that I'm blending to see what I can come up with that's new for you know the different palettes out there. But they, uh, they give me the ability to create my art with as many, if we're going to relate this to the painting part, right. as many colors of the rainbow there is in paint and colors, I have that in tobacco. That's awesome. So I can make some very different things. But we, since we grow so much tobacco, the cost, uh, we're more vertically integrated as right. a family, that our costs are lower because we don't have to buy a lot of Nicaraguan and Honduran tobaccos from other companies. We grow it ourselves, so our cost is less. Oh, okay. We also import our own products uh, as Blanco. Uh, we also uh, warehouse our own products. We also distribute our own products. Everybody involved in the entire chain of... of uh, of, of moving this product from seed all the way to the United States and into the shops, with the exception of our sales force, is family. Wow. So we're very vertically integrated. We keep the amount of hands that are involved as, as, as few as possible with regard to 
the chain of custody, getting the product from the factory and the farms, I should say, to the factory, to the consumer. So we try to minimize the extra cost. Well, you're doing a great job because this Thank is you. a cigar that I would have, I mean, I even thought it's probably about a $14 cigar. Well, I guess that goes to show you what a cigar we can make a living on still and make some money with and still afford to provide to the consumer. So if you use that as a, as a gauge, you can you can see where other cigars are at with their pricing and how much more their cost is because they have to buy materials or they have extra hands in distribution or importing or brokering. So there's a, every every extra level that you add adds in there cost. adds cost. Sure. So if you minimize that cost, you see with this cigar in particular, since you brought it up, what you can actually accomplish at a price point of seven to nine dollars. Yeah, I just bought this for less than ten bucks. There you go. Great cigar. Thank you. So let's go back into your family history and talk about the factory because what I read up on your factory, it was pretty amazing. Well, sure. Um, the initial factory that we had uh, was in Ybor City. And we started that in 1998. And my uncle Francisco, he ran the factory. Uh, day -day now, where is operations. that at? Ybor City is in Tampa. It's oh, okay. a neighborhood in Tampa. Ybor City is the cigar, was the cigar capital of the industry in the 20s and 30s. More Cuban cigars and more cigars were rolled there than anywhere else on the planet. Really? Yes, sir. Wow. That's where the J.C. Newman factory is at today. I uh, read an article they are really the doing are something based. big right now. Sure. And if you go down 7th uh, in Ybor City, you'll find a lot of um, hand-rolled cigar shops uh, that uh, are still keeping the art alive that serve drinks and, and coffee, and you can get a freshly rolled cigar right there. Wow. And so we, were, uh, we opened our factory in, in the historic area. In 98, unfortunately, we had to close it in 2000 because my uncle uh, became ill. He mm. was, a, as I mentioned, a Vietnam veteran in, of 20 years, and he uh, was disabled, and his, his illness became worse, and he wasn't able to maintain uh, the operation himself with regard to the facility. So we closed the factory and uh, called up the Placencias at that point and asked if we could move production to their facility in 2000, and that's what we did. So I've been working out of that factory since 2000. Jeez, almost... 20 years now it's crazy isn't it yeah crazy and scary well but, uh, time and, flies and how has your business progressed since 98 to 2019 uh like a like a wave up and down and i'll tell you why we've uh and, and every business has these ups and downs and uh things that you have to overcome and growing pains and other such things ours was uh very i i, I don't think normal story but uh, interesting story nonetheless so the first thing we had to overcome was the closing of the factory because we invested a ton of money in our own facility. Sure. And so that was a hit. And then after at 2000, we thought we had we were back on track and we moved everything to Placencia. And then 9-11 happened. Mm. So my father and I were both reservists, both called to active duty. My father immediately, and he was gone, so he handed me the keys. And I was the vice president. He was the president at the time and said, good luck, son. It's all yours. Don't mess it up. <laughs> And that lasted for about six months, and he was off to Iraq. Uh, six months later, I was called, and I went to Afghanistan. Wow. So he was gone for two years, and I was gone for 18 months. So when I left, we had to close. We wow. literally closed the doors. No kidding. That was it. it was, both he and I were both gone, and we handed the keys to the uh, warehouse to a family member and said, listen, if anybody orders, see if you can ship product. Other than that, there was nobody else to maintain our sales force, which at the time were all brokers, and they slowly just melted away because there was no one there. There, there was, was nobody there. Yeah, and, and we explained to them the situation, but it didn't matter. Right. Um, so two years later, 
we uh, reemerge and uh, turn the lights back on, open the doors, and uh, hit the trade show. And people thought, hey, we just we thought you guys had money problems or tobacco problems or some kind of. I mean, this happens in the business, right? Sure. So brands just disappear, companies fold up and go away, and that's what they thought because ours was so immediate. I mean, it was overnight. My father was gone. Literally, September 11th, he was called. He was gone. September 12th. And uh, six months later, I, you know, I kept things floating for six months, and then, boof, the lights go off, and they don't give you a lot of time in the military when they tell you you're mobilized. Yeah, when they need go. you, they need you. And that was it. So, two years later, we opened the doors back up. Uh, now again, that was another financial hit, huge. It was oh, like sure. starting all over again. You're basically at square one, except we you have your blends. Right. We were basically at square one. Our sales force had evaporated, uh, and of course, brokers move on and fulfill. Uh, their portfolio with other brands that are waiting in the wings and so they weren't able to take us back um, our our situation with regard to production had to retool uh, packaging had to be updated so we had to re-infuse what money we had left and we had already blown our wad the first time with the factory the second time moving the facility and then now we had to do it again and you you incurred all these huge expenses huge and then basically the rug was pulled out from underneath you yeah you went and did yeah. your service mm -hmm. and then you come back and it's starting completely over yep so i had uh i had to start from square one and hit the road myself again wow uh and this was 2004 and i remember by that time now we started in 89 i'm sorry 98 so that's six years so, so at that time, you were about, what, 25? Uh, I was, uh, I'm telling my age now, huh? So <laughs> when I started this business, I was 26 is when we actually incorporated, but I, I started 24 messing around with things. But we actually opened the doors, I think I was 26 years old. Okay. Uh, 26, 27, yeah. So when you came back for the big kickoff of starting it over. I was 32. 30, 32, yeah. wow. And so on a shoestring now. Yeah. So I hit the road. And uh, just went door-to-door uh, -door as far as that's concerned, like going to cigar shop to cigar shop and said, hey, we're back. Uh, we'd love an opportunity to do business. And then I, they asked me what happened, and I tell them the story, and they say, thank you for your service. I'll take 10 boxes. Awesome. And, you know, that happened more than once, but it didn't happen with everybody. You know, the old adage is, oh, I don't have any shelf space. Right. You know, I can't put you in. I'd love to, but uh, I just can't do it right now. So it, it was a financial hit. And, of course, during that time frame, 2004, 2005, the economy begins to start uh, sagging right and the economy starts dragging and the next thing you know it's 2007 2008 and people are walking away from their homes because they can't pay their mortgage and you know, times were tough right for those of you that don't remember 2008 uh, the economy wasn't exactly booming as a matter of fact it was imploding right and people weren't exactly uh, looking to you know if they didn't have couldn't pay their mortgage they weren't going out spending money on cigars true this is a luxury item, and you need disposable income, generally speaking, of some level to be able to uh, afford these things. When you can't afford bread and food for your family, or you're not you smoking cigars, you can't pay your note on your house. You know, cigars aren't that important, <laughs> right? So we had to struggle, and then uh, the S chip fiasco was the next thing that we had to deal with. Now, what's that? Uh, the S-CHIP is the federal excise tax. S-CHIP stands for State Children's Health Insurance Program. Okay, yes. Which the federal, uh, it was increased. It was well, basically two and a half cents a cigar, and it suddenly jumped to 41 cents a cigar overnight. Uh, and that was another, that just eats up your cash flow, right? You bring 100,000 cigars in, 
you got to pay the federal government $41,000 before you even sold a cigar. Wow. So we had to retool our warehouse to become a U.S. Customs bonded facility. To be able, and that cost us in excess of a couple hundred thousand dollars. So they're not making it easy. No, no, and they're making it very expensive. Right. Uh, you know, so that was another iteration of another hurdle we had to overcome with the FDA becoming bonded and everything else. I'm sorry, with the yes chip. The last hurdle, which has just been you know recently in the past few years now, is the FDA. Right. Which is another hit. Uh, they cost us uh, over five and a half, well, about five and a quarter cents a cigar. I'm paying them. Uh, annually for every cigar that I, I manufacture or import. How much was that? F- 5.25 cents approximately I pay. Right per now. cigar. Per cigar. Wow. So on top of the 41 cents, everybody, just so you're aware, you pay 41 cents to the federal government for S-chip, and then you pay another 5.25 cents. So you're paying 46.25 Before it cents even gets to the shop. For the federal excise tax. Then there's your state tobacco tax. I was going to say, and then the look. shop has to be charged another percent. Yep, and then there's your sales tax. So at the end of the day, there is a lot of taxes being paid for here. This is uh, through regulatory issues. They're trying to choke us out. Right. But we uh, nonetheless find creative ways to to deal with these things and cut costs in other areas if we can. And I have become a master in tightening my belt and becoming a very efficient operation. That's good. That is by, by necessity. I have been forced to become a logistics master. I mean, we transport and ship cigars all over the planet now. I'm in Europe. I'm in Asia. I was doing some business in Australia for a while, which is a very diff- difficult market because of taxes. Oh, I know. Canada. Uh, we have we have uh, accounts in Africa. We're opening up the Middle East this year. I'm 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 everywhere around the planet except Antarctica. You know. So, and every one of these countries, like every state in the union, has its own challenges in dealing with import export. Uh, Everybody wants a piece of your pie. Tobacco taxes, absolutely. So. Uh, by again through necessity i have had to become a subject matter expert in logistics and transportation in import and export wow and i just wanted to blend cigars <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's all i wanted to do you had to learn all this other stuff so that you could yeah. blend cigars and now i'm now i'm a political animal to a certain level i was at the i uh, saw you with mark rubio yeah very yeah. nice great guy don't get me wrong i wish i was just sitting down having a cigar with him and talking you know you know friendly stuff but I have to be involved now in uh, in national political issues having to deal with S-CHIP and FDA and trying to keep more regulation and uh, unnecessary uh, well, did laws you see? And, and, and things about our industry, and they're just trying to kill us. So I've had to now, and I was involved in 2016 at Save the Leaf. I don't know if you heard about that. Save no. the Leaf organization. We, we're on the steps of the Capitol building. You know, I thought it was a uh, picketing like uh, back in the Vietnam days against the war. You know, no I'm standing there kidding. with a sign saying, you know, save the leaf and, you know, keep the federal government out of the tobacco cigar industry and things of that nature. Yeah. Now, what, what year was that? That was 2016, October 6th or 8th now. It's not that the long day ago. It took, the day the FDA took control or have oversight over us is the day we planned our protest and we had to pull permits and everything. It was, I think it was, I was told at the time it was the, first and only time that the permit was allowed to smoke on the Capitol grounds <laughs> nice. greens which is where we're at on the steps wow and we were able to smoke but i never thought in a million years i would be on the steps of the Capitol building about cigars about cigars yeah. about anything right, I, I, right i'm not a political guy right but they made me one right so again out of necessity i've had to morph and become other things you know like i'll, I'll throw rocky's name out there 
Rocky's very active. There's a yeah. bunch of people, but Rocky in particular, he's been on Fox News a, a number of times um, talking about this exact same issue. Um, and it's, you know, I wish they'd just leave us alone. It's never going to happen. I just well, did wish you see would. the FDA, actually, I think it was like yesterday, announced that they are no longer governing how many cherries are in cherry pies. Oh, I didn't even know they were governing that. <laughs> yeah. They were governing that? They had to have 25 actual cherries in a pie. That's a good That's a good trivia question. Yeah. So On a regular size pie? What is it? How a, big is the pie got to be? On a frozen pie. On a frozen pie. They had to have 25 cherries in the pie. But as of yesterday, the FDA no, no longer monitors how many cherries they put in the pie. Well, I am now smarter and a veritable cornucopia of useless information right? for that fact. What I was like. Wow. Can you believe they have I'm their hands in hand. someone's pie? Uh-oh. I'm having a malfunction with a light. Uh-oh. Lighting a cigar on the radio. There we go. So, let's talk about what you're smoking. Hmm. I'm smoking a, another one of my lines. This is a cigar obsession line. I make this um, in, in tandem, I guess you could say. It's a marketing tool for... A friend of mine named Brian Glenn. Okay. He is uh, of Cigar Obsession. If you guys want to check him out at CigarObsession.com or his YouTube channel, he is uh, the largest online reviewer of cigars. He's kind of like the um, consumer reports of all things cigars. Nice. Not only cigars does he review, and he's been doing it for over 10 years. He has over 2,000 cigar reviews. But everybody that makes anything cigar-related, cutters, lighters, um, Oasis uh, humidification machines, machines, anything you name it, he kind of does a little review on it, and he'll tell people if it's worth its money, if it's lasts, if it breaks, if it doesn't. So a lot of people look at him for industry information with regard to not only cigar reviews, but um, accessories, accessories and things of that nature, humidors. He's basically like a cigar catalog. Yeah, he really is. With yeah. a review with Cons- it. Yeah, the yeah. consumer report. And he doesn't rate cigars. He just reviews yeah. them. Yeah. And so when he smokes a cigar, he smokes the first third, tells you what he gets. Second third, and tells you what he gets. Final third, same thing. So when he wanted a cigar with his name on it for marketing purposes and what his what his idea was is like, listen, there's a bunch of people that don't know who we are because people, they're not social media savvy. Right. You know, they're not checking out YouTube and they're not looking online. How can I get to their attention? In cigar shops, the way to do that is to have a cigar with your name on it and that will drive traffic to his social media site and right. his YouTube site. So he, that's that was his benefit from having a cigar with his name on it. As a result, he told me, Dave, I'm not in the cigar business. I don't want any monetary benefit from this cigar. I'm not interested in it. And not only that, he felt it would compromise his reviewing sure. of the cigars because, of course, if it had his name on it and he had some financial gain. And he's taking money from it. They thought he, he didn't want that. So he's right. like, listen, I, and he, he says this clearly. I use this as a marketing tool. Dave Blanco owns Cigar Obsession Cigars. Uh, I approve. He says, I approve the blends, which I want him to. I want him. His involvement is. I want him to enjoy the cigars and at least approve the blends. He yeah, he needs his name on it. Exactly. He wants to enjoy it. Exactly. So um, that is his level of involvement. Um, but we market it uh, th- for him through that name familiarity. And as you can see right now, I'm, I'm talking about him because this is part of the goal for him is to just expand his viewership. That's and awesome. Well, uh, on this episode, we'll put a link to his social media. Very kind of you. So yeah. I'm smoking the Cigar Obsession First Third in Toro, which is the original production of the first iteration. The second third, by op, I should say, the first third is an Ecuadorian Sumatran wrapper, box-pressed line with four sizes. Uh, the, retails 8 to 12. The second third is a Cameroon wrapper um comes in four sizes 
8 to 13 retail. And then the final third is an interesting story. And um, I'm sharing this on, wow, I'm, I'm going to share this. Thank you. So uh, Brian Glenn's favorite cigar I found out was the Padron Family 50th in natural. And I have never blended a cigar to be similar to any other cigar in my life because I want to blend what I like to blend and right. how I blend my own cigars. But since it has his name on it, I figured I better give him my version of his favorite cigar. Nice. So he could walk around saying his favorite cigar, I hoped, was a Cigar Obsession Final Third. Nice. Uh, because it has his name on it. Right. Um, and had his favorite cigar been in any, he could have named it any cigar, I would have tried to give him my version of that cigar nice. but it just so happened his his favorite cigar was the Padron family 50th it couldn't have been easy right it, right. it couldn't have been easy right so through uh re-engineering and smoking a ton of Padron family 50th and natural i should own stock in the company at this point to try to figure out how to and we all feel sorry for you that yeah. you had to do that yeah it was it was a lot more difficult than you think <laughs> my friend listen if everybody could make a Padron, i think they probably would oh really and now i know why they don't because <laughs> it was very difficult they I do bet. something very special with their cigars and their filler and it has to do with the fermentation really i'm not letting any secrets okay. out because there aren't any for me to let out because it's proprietary i don't gotcha. know what they do wow but i'm telling you they do something because i was inspecting it intensely and very closely and it's very special what they do, and nobody else is doing exactly what they do. That's one of the big secrets in all fermentation for any manufacturer. We all do a little something special in the fermentation that, that at that time, the cigars are sponges, right? They're, decompo they're decomposing. It's a biological chemical decomposition of the leaf. We add water, heat is created, and they lose the ammonia. And by the way, they also lose a portion of the nicotine. And during this phase, whatever the liquid, which is water-based, absorbs into this it affects the flavor oh. and whatever they're using i shall never know because that's something they keep very secret which is understandable sure because it, it's a hit right so i had to arrive at the same conclusion they do but not using the same fermentation process i had to use different tobaccos so my cigar is not a replica right it's your version it's my version right and that's the best i could do and uh, fortunately brian said i hit it on the head nice so i was very proud of that at least he's happy and we've now seen that a lot of other people are Well, happy. see, now I want to smoke one of those, too. I'm going to have to get one of there those. There you go. Now, yeah. those retail for a little bit more money. They're 13 to sixteen fifty. So well, it's Most a, expensive it's, cigar I make. That's a great... Sounds like a great so. cigar, though. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to think so. But, again, it's for everybody else to decide. But uh, that's called the CO Final Third. So we just named them First Third, Second Third, and Final Third. Because that's how he does his... Exactly. His reviews. His review. So nice. we're going to try to come out with two more lines... Uh, before this line this whole thing is over but we want to have a total of five cigars for him so look for Very two nice. more co lines in the we'll near do future. hopefully we'll do. this year awesome mm -hmm. so reading a little bit about your family history i came up with a name for one of your cigars in the future okay i'm open the del rio uh really no is that already done well no well it's kind of close to abe really it's the Pinar del Rio cigar. Well, yeah, but PDR, but kind, kind of. I think Abe might have a problem with that. I, all right, all right. <laughs> well, I just read your family history. And I was like, dude, that's a perfect name for a cigar. Well, there's also another cigar called. Uh, uh, I don't want to say it's it's uh, Pinolero. Okay. Right? Pinolero is somebody who's from Pinar del Rio. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that that of course is AJ Fernandez. Hey, I didn't say that it hadn't been thought of before. <laughs> I just said it was a good idea. <laughs> and, and by the way, there is a city or a town, if you want to call it, in Pinar del Rio, P 
Pinar del Rio, which is also not a city itself, but it's the that's the capital of the province, Pinar del Rio. It's called San Luis. Okay. Where my grandmother was born, where Alejandro Robina was born, where A.J. Fernandez is from. No kidding. And guess who somebody that's from that area, guess what they're called? What? San Lutanos. Oh. Ah, you see how he gets his names? Yes, yes, So yes. He's, he is using names from his origins from where he's from. And I love that. Absolutely. Very traditional, classical. A.J.'s a great guy. Uh, um, and I mean, what can I say? He makes. He's a great cigar maker as well. And... Uh, it, there is a family relationship through Placencia with him as well. So really? Te- technically, we're cousins. Wow. Um, so, you know, we see each other. We hug each other and say hello. Um, now, he's younger than you. AJ is about, we're this, around the same age. He just turned 40. No. Yeah. I think, really, I thought he was 42 or 43. I was told he just turned 40 like six weeks ago. That's possible. I don't know his exact birthday. Um, Nestor Andreas Placencia, my cousin, is 40. I'm not going to say his exact age, <laughs> but he's a couple years younger. I mean, we're all around the same age. That's um, awesome, man. So, yeah. You are like the next generation, really. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what I was talking about before. There's, yeah. There are some of us. Yeah. And uh, and there are more than just us, even in my family. There's outside my family. There, are, you know, I, I will put out a name out there that I think he makes great cigars, and, and I consider him a friend, is Nick. Oh. Uh, Nick from Foundation. Nick is, uh, I've been following him since he began with Drew Estate. I've known him, and uh, he's making some phenomenal cigars, and he is a true believer. I mean, he is one of these guys that is it, that is headfirst dove into this tobacco business and learned it from the ground up and is a great blender and a great cigar maker. So if I'm going to tip my hat to anybody, it would be Nick. All right. Uh, and there's a few others, but he's the first one off my lips because I, I, he's a great guy and, and a great cigar maker. And a good friend. And a good person. Yeah. And a good person. It's always nice to see good people succeed. Well, I see that a lot in the cigar world. Mm-hmm. Good people do well. Uh, I also know a lot of not so good people do well. But <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about no, those. No, we won't talk about those guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's go back in your history, personal history a little bit. I read that you were a... Uh, here you are. You I'm got talking one. so much, but your cigar keeps going out. That's what happens during these things. I read that you used to be a deputy sheriff in Chicago. Mm-hmm. How was that? Boy, I'm going to be really honest today. Yeah. Was that crazy? The worst job of my life. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I had to... It was a very physically demanding job being uh, in law enforcement and, uh, you know, that type of business in the city of Chicago. Um it was not necessarily a, a fun memory. It was a job that was physically oriented. If really? you understand my meaning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, law enforcement today can be, um, and any type of peace officer uh, is is can be physically demanding. Um, sometimes you talk with your hands out of necessity. You have to defend yourself. I Absolutely. You guys just look at YouTube. You'll see it. Right. I've seen. And you try to talk to people, and the next thing you know, you're the police, and you know, you're an enemy or something. You know? Right. Police are only called when, generally speaking, bad, bad things, things are, are happening. happening. Yeah. And you know, they expect you to be the me- the, the moderator and the mediator, and and you know, a lot of times there's alcohol involved or drugs or just bad situations, you know, or domestics or whatever. And um, I wasn't necessarily on the street doing those type of things, but uh, even where I was working, it was uh, it was pretty physical. I got you. And uh, it's not something I wanted to do my entire adult life i got you i i I went and i got my one of my degrees in law enforcement 
Oh, I didn't know that. I should say criminal justice. I see. With, with With a focus in law enforcement. So, I mean, I was going to school for this, and I graduated for that. But the practical application of um of the industry that we say industry but law enforcement in this in this country is very difficult nowadays oh absolutely very difficult yeah and i would i it takes a very strong person and special type of personality to be in law enforcement today so my hats are off to them i could have continued to do it i just i chose not to I, that I wasn't was your something. passion not after doing it. I thought it was, you know, when you go to school and you always want to become something and you finally become that and you find out that's not really what the job is. Right. You know, and I think part of my problem was also the judicial system. I saw murderers get off, rapists get off. I mean, it was, you know, the legal system in this country can be a pain and um, not always just. Right. And, and it's the, it, you know, sometimes it's the person with the best liar. I mean, lawyer <laughs> that, uh, that gets, you know, gets off or, or wins the case. Not necessarily. Um, right and wrong. Yeah. And justice, they say, is blind. But, mm, you know, sometimes, as we can see in the media today. Right. We can see a lot of things that are going on that are ruining people's lives uh, through the court system that aren't necessarily should be even happening. Right. And to, to defend yourself alone costs you your livelihood and your fortune and everything else. And then ruin you. It ruin you. And then yeah. they find out, oh, okay, he's not guilty. And he, he did really didn't have anything to do with that. But yeah, he's, too he's late. in the poor house. Yeah. Too and, late. Yeah. You know, but this is, you got to be very careful. So you went from being a deputy sheriff and then did I read correctly? You started being in the fire department. Correct. I was a paramedic. So I applied to the Chicago fire department, the Chicago police and the Chicago fire department called me at the same time. Oh, okay. And, Cause you put your name when you're in that kind of business and civil you know, servant type positions on every list, you know, to get into the job, you know, whoever gets you, you know, calls you first, you kind of, kind of take that job. Well, it happened that the police and fire department called me at the same time. And after being a sheriff and having sand kicked in my face enough to know that I don't want to do this the rest of my life in the city of Chicago, I went to the uh, fire department as a paramedic and was there for seven years. And that's when I started my cigar company. Oh, wow. Okay. That was my side job, as we call it, on the fire department. You know, everybody's got, we work 24-hour shifts. So every fireman or paramedic does something else. Has a second gig. Right. And a lot of them are tradesmen, you know, electricians, uh, plumbers, construction. Uh, some people I've go known to, several that were construction. Yeah, some go to nursing school. Some go to PA school, PA's physician assistant school. Right. Or get, go to law school, even. You can go to law school. I mean, so, so many professions and. Mine happened to be starting my cigar company. Now, when you were in Chicago, was there like a cigar shop or lounge that you hung out in? Well, I hung out in every one of them because okay. I was trying to sell my cigars. Oh, in I the beginning, you. I mean, I had a, this was my, this you know, the closest shops around me were, you know, the city of Chicago. That was my home base. So I would, I would hang out at uh, most of them at one time or another. I got you. Um, but it was, became, it started becoming a very toxic environment for the industry there. Early on, with all of the taxes in Cook County and the city of Chicago, they just keep raising them. So um, most of the larger and better-known cigar shops became suburban shops Oh, rather than within city limits. Not all of them were gone, but a majority of them. Are there still any, like, the old historical ones still around? In Chicago, around? Yeah, yeah, Jack Schwartz. Okay. Uh, there's a couple others. Um and of course, I'm not going to name them all. And if I name, sure. start naming them, somebody says, you forgot this one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jack Schwartz is downtown. And there's a couple others. Uh, Biggs is a relatively newer one. It was It's in a mansion downtown. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, there's some others. There's a new private one that opened. I'm not going to start naming them sure, all. Sure, sure, sure. There's sure. a ton of them. Somebody's going to get 
angry at me if I don't right, watch your show. Right, right. So at that time, when you left the fire department, you were already kind of doing the cigar business on the side. Right. So what year was that? I left the fire department, oh boy, I think it was 2000, right before I, I um, deployed. Oh, okay. So because at that point, um, it was... I had to make a decision too, and the issues you know, at hand were: we're going to do this full time, part time, but so it was going to be full time, and the world got in the way. And so when I came back, that was it. There was no fire department job. It right. was cigars, right? Um, and and cigars and cigars. And my father told me, he goes, "Listen, if you know, maybe you know, timing wasn't right. You know, things happen in business, and you know, maybe it wasn't the right time. And you just you, there's other things you can do." You know, I have degrees. I have other things I've had experience in. I can do something else in life. And I said, Dad, I have never quit at anything in my life. So I'm not about to quit here, and especially because I knew I had already experienced success right. in the industry. I knew I could do it again. And you felt some sense of family pride, I assume. Absolutely. It was I mean, a carrying on. It was a connection with the family heritage. Yeah. I had proven a successful business model. Just the world got in the way. Time got in, in in different situations and circumstances, but not of my own accord Is has this been a failure. Right. So I decided I'm not going to quit, and I'm going to do it on a shoestring because, like I told you, our budget at that point, because we had spent so much money and had a, lost it through all the adverse issues that we had to go through, I had to do it on a shoestring, and I did. That's awesome, you know? man. So, hey, listen, man, I'm, I, I tell people all the time I'm a 21-year overnight success. And, and, <laughs> and to the level of success I am, I'm still a boutique brand. And there will be, a, you could ask many people out there, they'll say they'll love me, and there'll be just as many out there that'll say, Dave Blanco. That's not what we say. No, I get it. But because, you, you know, you, you, when you're in an industry for that long, they're going to be detractors. Sure. You know, I, I, I hate throwing out names again, but, I'll, you know, you pick another brand, any brand. Even a successful one, a very successful one. You ask about those owners or brand owners, and you're going to have people that love their cigars, don't like their cigars, and you're going to have people say, ah, that guy. Right. He could be selling 10 million cigars. You're going to get people saying, oh, that guy or whatever. So it kind of goes with with the path I'm on is that you have to have a thick skin. Oh. Because you're, you can't please yeah. everybody all the time. Right. What you have to be is a good guy. Do the right thing. Be true to yourself. Yeah. Don't ch don't let the business change you. People, I just had somebody ask me the other day, and he's new in the business, and he's coming up with his own private label, and he said to me, how do you deal with the uh, celebrity of being in the cigar business? I said to myself, simple, don't drink your own Kool-Aid. Right. You know, what celebrity? Right. If you start believing that you're some kind of celebrity, then you're done. you got a problem. Right. You know, just be you regardless. Yeah. And, and remember, my industry and this industry that I'm in is about somebody's hobby and recreational activity, smoking a cigar. This is not national security, people. Right. What you are doing is not so important that the world will come to an end and, uh, you know, things will change if you're not involved in the cigar business. <laughs> right. Okay. So don't take yourself so seriously. Right. And, and do it because you have a passion or enjoy it and you want to do it, not because you have to do it. And, that, and, you know, that's the part of the cigar industry that I love is meeting the people who are passionate about it. Right. And, I mean, I'll tell you, all the ones that I've worked with, interviewed, had on the show, done stories about, it's just people that have a passion for it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, man, they're all so humble, too. 
Yeah, most of us are. Most of us are because we had sand kicked in our face. <laughs> right. We've had to experience the adversity of people telling us, no, 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 I'm not interested. I don't like your cigar. Blah, blah, blah. If I if I just if I didn't have a thick enough skin, and I listen, th- that happens to every one of us. Rocky Patel, and I'm going to put his name out there again, only because I know his history because I saw it growing up in this industry myself. Because Placencia makes a lot of his cigars, mm-hmm. so I was around it. I saw him go from the peak to the depth, and now he's even bigger. Right. When he started with Indian Tobacco, which was his first brand, for those of you that aren't aware, he did phenomenally. And then there were some issues, and he recreated himself into Rocky Patel Premium Cigars. Wow. And the rest is history. I don't have to say it. Right. You guys all know Rocky Patel Premium Cigars. Right. Maybe not all of you knew about Indian Tobacco. No, That's I didn't. That's what he started as. Right. For years. And that was all made at Placencia's factory as well. So I was able, I had an insight to be able to see the things that he did that made him successful. But I also got to see, from him and others, by the way, not just him, the pitfalls of the industry and what not to do. And I try to learn from others that I see having experiences in a similar area and try not to repeat their mistakes. And I'm not reinventing the wheel necessarily, but I'm trying to avoid the potholes in the industry as there are in every industry. So I'm just trying to make the best possible cigar I can make using the best quality material I can, using the traditional method that we've been doing for generations at the best value I can. And that's what you started saying. I can't believe how much this costs. Yeah. Our business model is quality of the tobacco, tradition of our industry and how we roll our cigars, and value. Quality, tradition, and value. That's our mantra. Well, and I'll, cigars. I'll tell you this. Next month, I'm coming out with uh, Cigar Talks Top 10 for the first half of 2019. And, you know, I look at all the other people who do top tens and they pick some really extravagant cigars for their top 10 our top 10 is not going to be like that our top 10 is the best 10 cigars that the working man can get so you're value oriented on your i'm very valued i smoke on average between six to ten cigars a day well you have to be (laughs) right so you know and don't get me wrong sometimes i like to get that cigar that's 10 12 13 dollars mm-hmm. and but then also i love a cigar that i think is a good quality cigar at six seven dollars sure there's there's a great amount of good cigars at all different price points sure so yeah. i don't want to come out with a list that has you know 25 30 40 dollar cigars mm-hmm. that nobody can smoke i want you to be able to go out and get all 10 of these and try them you know what i mean sure true story yeah absolutely <clears throat> i totally get it it's uh, it's i mean cost prohibitive Right. Um, yeah. I mean, people might want to, if you like Padron or you like uh, Fuente Opus X. I love you Padron, could, you but they're not going to be on the list. If you can afford it. Right. <laughs> right. Some, most people can't. Right. Um, but I try to make the best cigar I can for the best possible price that I can because for me, it's about volume. I have a factory behind me with the Placencia family that can make as many cigars pretty much as I can put in an order for, as large a demand as I have. So if I make them more affordable, my model, my business model is volume drives our business with regard to Blanco cigars. And to me, it grows faster too. Yeah, that's Just what I'm trying opinion. to do. I'm trying to grow my business. If I yeah. make my cigar more affordable, more people can afford to buy it and smoke it more frequently. And I'm that's telling the key. you, if you haven't smoked Blanco, you got to go check them out. Thanks, buddy. Hey, man, you're welcome. So uh, Checks in the mail. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, you do blending for Hiram Solomon. Yep. And the Warfighters. Yeah. 
and I don't know who else. Oh, about ten other companies. Nice. Yeah. Well, just we're going to go ahead and plug Hireman Solomon right here because sure, they man. sponsor my show. Actually, well, you got to do that. Then. You know what I mean? I get it. And uh, I'm very picky on who I let be a sponsor because if I don't want to smoke their cigars, then they can't be a sponsor for the show. So, well, I'm, you're leaving money on the table, buddy. I know, but it's not about the money. It's about <laughs> clearly, you know what I'm clearly saying? Clearly, yeah. it's not about the money. <laughs> well, you know, if, if if I can't sit back and enjoy the cigar, then I can't tell people, hey, you should go try this cigar. I get it, because you feel it's an endorsement. Right. You know, you're, it's coming from your mouth. People are going to listen to what you say. Right. And if someone goes and smokes a cigar and says, man, that sucked, they'd be like, man, he doesn't know nothing about cigars, or he's a sellout. True, but again... This business is very subjective. And it's true. Everybody has different palates. Exactly. I get that. It just not may not be for you. Right. And not I say that all the time. If you don't like a cigar, it may not be for you. But if it wasn't that somebody didn't like it, it wouldn't be on the shelf because somebody's buying <laughs> That's it. That's true. Somebody wanted it That's there. right. There's a cigar for everybody pretty much out there. But I get your point. Sorry, I'm smoking. That's all right. Anyway, so uh, what do you got coming out in the future? What do you got going on? And let me just tell everybody right quick. We're doing this interview at The Leaf. And uh, where's your home at? Uh, Clearwater, Florida. I, I, I like to call it my residence. Okay. Uh, because I don't get to spend much time there. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you were here just, what, about six, seven weeks ago? I was. I was. Yeah. And so I am super impressed that you personally go around to these shops and participate in the events thank you a lot thank of owners you. don't do that a lot of blenders don't do that <sighs> and maybe they don't have the opportunity but you make it a priority mm -hmm. and that just shows your love for not just the cigar business but also for the community that you're a part of yeah i'm, I'm trying to create a connection with our brand uh and my cigars and the best way to do it even though i have my rep here with me is is to make that personal connection with the consumers so i don't see the leaf as my customer uh, even though I sell technically the shop, my cigars, I see them as a partner. They're part of my uh, retail partners um, that help us service us, as in they and I, service both of our clients, which are the consumers. Right. So I, I have to support my partner as my partner supports me. I think and, that's and, great. And that's why I come out and I do as many events as I can and travel with my reps and uh, do the best that I can in, in representing not only my company, but my company is my family. It is my family name. Absolutely. And I feel that I, if I can't represent my family name the appropriate way and I can't give that example to my reps that work with us, then I can't set the example of how we'd like to run our company and, and what we're trying to portray. Oh, that's great, man. So That's great. So where are you going when you leave here? Well, uh, the next three days is Cat Fest. Cat's oh, Fest you're going to be there. I'm a platinum sponsor of Cat's All Fest. All right. In uh, uh, Granbury, Texas, if you, well... Let's see, this show won't be out in time for Cats Fest. So. That's true. It'll already be gone, guys. You missed it. But they're going to have it again every year. This is Cats Fest 6, by the way. And is it going to be at Granbury from now on? I don't know. You'd have to ask Storm, who okay. owns, uh, well, it's run by Cigars for Warriors. It's a right. big uh, annual event. We are, as I mentioned, a platinum sponsor. I kind of have to be. And and I say have to be because I want to be because I'm a veteran myself absolutely i understand the importance of what cigars for warriors does because i was one of those guys and i was smoking cigars over there and i knew what it meant remember i told you we closed the doors when i was deployed right well i had somebody back there with keys sending us boxes nice. of cigars so my guys and i had cigars we had nothing in the middle of the mountains in the in the in the foothills of the himalayas but you the, had cigars the, yeah that's correct <laughs> we had cigars so even back then before cigars for warriors 
existed. I was just doing it for me and my guys. Right. But what a novel uh, and what concept a that Storm. Booster. Yeah, absolutely. So Storm had this novel concept of, man, we should create an organization to do this. And he was right. And that's why I am not only glad and honored and privileged to sponsor it, I feel is an obligation. Oh, absolutely. That I sponsor this. So that's why I say I have to be involved in, in, in being a platinum sponsor in this event is, is an honor. I see Well, it as. we talk about Cigar for Warriors to get people notified of the whole program as mm-hmm. much as possible. Uh, same thing with Cigar Rights for America. We want people to sign up. Uh, of course, you guys know I always do my little, you know, standing on my fence post and shouting to the rooftops. Write your senators. Don't yes. think that they yeah. don't care. They do care if they get letters emails you know you just sit around and bitch about this and don't do anything then when we don't have cigars it's your own fault blanco cigars was one of the founding corporate sponsors of cigar rights of america when it started awesome we were there at the beginning of that one and it's it's taken on a life of its own and uh, we're not necessarily the largest contributors because our size doesn't allow us to be um but uh it's one of those organizations that is it's the consumer's version of the nra for cigars right and that's what it was modeled after it's it, this is not a manufacturer's organization although we donate money to help prop it up in the beginning sure. so it could create a life of its own um but this is a consumer's organization that's why it's so important that your memberships uh enable them to do what they do and and fight for legislation to or against legislation i should say necessarily um to keep you guys able to smoke when and where and how you'd like to i mean this is still america right and i I, and we're adults i say this all the time because every time i look around it seems like it's less and less the america i knew growing up exactly um and do you sell your cigars in california i do not (laughs) Uh, i don't even have a rep in california anymore i understand quite frankly it's just uh, and it's sad yeah. It really is, because I, I just yeah. got back from... The Republic of California. Yeah, I just got back from uh, a meeting I had, and I met some really good guys from California, mm-hmm. and they cannot wait to get out of California. Well, we'll sell there again, and the reason I say that is because we took a hiatus from California before because they did this nonsense before with the taxation and the distribution license and everything else, and then it was repealed because they realized they lost so much revenue because everybody just either bought online or they went to Arizona and they went to Phoenix, which is one of the largest cigar communities out there. I know a bunch of people that go to Phoenix from California. Yeah, they just lost revenue. And then they were like, oh, man, we're not making the money we thought we were going to make when we raised this tax. Well, that's usually what happens when you raise any tax. People go somewhere else for the product where they don't have to pay the tax. Exactly. And they're going to learn this again, and this will happen again, and then we'll be back in California. It's not that I don't want to sell in California. It's just very problematic and cost prohibitive for me as a boutique brand there is there are many more places that my money and efforts are spent more wisely that will benefit the company's growth and that's why i'd have to do that so how is it in florida i've never been to florida so how is it there it's a difficult industry uh or i should say market in florida because of the saturation of manufacturers there okay so it is very difficult because everybody knows a manufacturer and in this industry uh, it's based on relationships. Your industry uh, uh, penetration is based on your relationships with your retailers, your retail partners. And when you have brand owners uh, who live in your backyard, all you know, like five of them in, right. in the case of Miami and up the uh, Treasure Coast there, Boca and all that area up there, those guys personally know, the shop owners personally know cigar brand owners. Well, guess who they have an affinity of selling their cigars for? 
those people who live right there. Gotcha. So if you know, it's kind of like my situation was in Chicago. That was my backyard. You know, I didn't have twenty other brand owners who live there in Chicago, but I have the, I have that situation in in Florida. For example, I have in Tampa, where in the in Clearwater the area, I have Davidoff USA five miles down the road. Wow. I have the Fuentes in Ybor City. I have the Newmans there. Um, there were a couple other small brands that are local down there, but those are the big ones. Um, so, you know, it's not like I'm sitting there alone. And if you don't think every shop in Tampa has Fuente on it, guess again, they do. So you know? what part of your operations is actually in Florida? Our North American distribution facility and our corporate headquarters. Well, I was going to say, if you ever decide that you want to move your headquarters, Texas is a great state to do business Oh, it's in. happened with a lot of brands. <laughs> there are brands that have left Florida and come to Texas. And by the way, you guys, I think, next to Florida, have the largest concentration of cigar manufacturers, especially boutique brands, yeah. in the state of Texas. We're, we're very happy to have yeah. those. Yeah, you got a bunch of big names here. Warfighters yeah. just moved down here. I'm Warfighters another that. one. Yeah, you can add yeah. them to the list and, and look out for them. They're going to grow. Yeah. Know? They're, gonna grow. they're doing good things. Met those guys, and uh, they were actually telling us that they were de- deciding on whether to move to Florida yep. or Texas. I tried. I tried. Well, you know what I told them? <laughs> I told them, you guys don't look like Florida guys. You guys look like Texas guys. <laughs> Wait a minute. What does that mean? I'm from Chicago. Well, who looks like they're from? Nobody's from Florida, by the way. Just so you know, everybody's a transplant. They well, all move, everybody moves to Florida. You know, when you think of Florida, joke, you think of old guys true. wearing Hawaiian it's shirts. changed, my friend. Really? It's changed, yeah. Well, just like California, people are migrating here. Yeah. The entire Northeast and, and Midwest. They're migrating into Florida. Oh, I know. New Yorkers are all going down that way. Guess what the it, third largest state in the union is now, my friend? What's that? Florida. No way. It took over New York. Wow. It is now California or Texas and then Florida, then New York. No kidding. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. Did well, you think about that. the major metropolitan areas in Florida. We have Miami. We have Jacksonville. We have Orlando. And we have Tampa. Those are four major a lot of, cities. A lot of money in those cities. Yeah, those are four major cities. You yeah. think of New York, what do you think of? New York. And what else? New Jersey. City-wise Queens. in New York. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. You think of New York, and a uh, city, and you think of maybe Albany, the capital. Right. So they don't have multiple. They just have a huge one, big Right. One. But Florida, is, it's like, kind of like Texas. Texas. You know, you got Dallas, you got Austin, you got San Antonio, you got Houston. Your, your, your population is spread out. Same thing with Florida. Wow. So uh, they have, they've grown. That's awesome. Well, we're glad they came to Texas. And if you ever decide to move, we'd love to have you. If I had to leave Florida, I'll tell you right now, it'd be for Texas. Well, no doubt about it. It's a great tax state on cigars as far as it's a great cigar culture. here. Yeah, it really culture here. Absolutely. And everything's big in Texas. That's what I love about this place. I come to other parts of the country and I get cigar shops to order and they say, yeah, I'll take two boxes of that and one box of that. And two. I come to Texas. I'll take five of those, eight of these, <laughs> 10 of them. Everybody's big. And, everything's big right. here. They order big. They eat big steaks, which I love. Go big. Barbecue's big. Or go home. Everybody's got a truck. It's all big. Everybody's got a lot of land. <laughs> I love Texas. Even their hats. Yeah. Hats are big. Everything's big in Texas, baby. That's right. <laughs> Hey man, so I know, uh, I know. Let's see, we've had you. Wow, we've had you longer than I meant to. How long have we been here? An hour. 
That happens. Yeah, happens. happens. It always happens good. <laughs> but I know you got food waiting out there. Yeah, but it's all right. They're only wings. I just wanted to say we thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, it's, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it. Uh, we we talk about you like you're the second coming of Blenders. Wow. Yeah. Holy so cow. We, well, we know I'm you're honored gonna... that you guys would even think that. So well, after our just discussion we just had, yeah. That's rarefied air in my mind. Well, so thank you very much for that compliment. You're welcome, man. And thank you. for guys that haven't had the opportunity to try the Blanco lines, you got to go check them out. We love their cigars. Every time I can get one, I get one. And now that we have the full line here at the Leaf at my home shop, I'll be smoking a whole bunch of them. Thank you, man. So, hey, we appreciate you being on the show, and uh, we wish you the best success, man. Thank you, and thank you, everybody out there for listening. And you guys always know my tagline. If you heard me before, stay smoky. Always. Thanks, bud. Hey, hope you guys enjoyed that interview with David Blanco. We had a blast. A uh, very interesting man, to say the least. Uh, and he makes a great line of cigars. And not only does he make a great line of cigars, he also blends for a ton of cigar companies. One is uh, the Hiram and Solomon line, which you know we love. And then he also blends for the uh, Warfighters. Warfighters, which we love. So that dude's all over the place. And I tell you what, I respect the amount of hard work that he's put in to get back into the cigar business because yeah. that dude had a journey. And so we thank him again for his service. And uh, anyway, man, we just wish the best for him and uh, hope all the good pays off because I know he's working his butt off. That's correct. Uh, so anyway, let's get to uh, this week's winner on the uh, Luxury Cigar Club Box of the Month. Uh, I'll send uh, you a code, and uh, you just go on their website, register, sign up for a platinum box, and uh, they you put this code in, and they'll send you your first month free. Anyway, this comes all the way from uh, Kingsport, Tennessee. Mm. You ever heard of that? Nope. I don't know where that is. Anyway, uh, the name of the man is Ken Martin. Ken Martin, great job. All you had to do is register. How easy is it to win? So if you haven't registered yet, you guys got to go by the website, www.cigartalkpodcast.com. Hit the register button, register, send it in, and then you'll be in the drawing, not just this week, but every week from now on. So we made it easy so everybody could participate. Anyway, congratulations again to Ken Martin. You'll be getting uh, your first month free of Luxury Cigar Box. We want to say thank you again to uh, Chris and the guys over there at Luxury Cigar Club. Uh, man, they do a great job. Uh, we love it, and I know you guys will too. So if you haven't had a chance, swing by their website, check them out, and uh, tell you what, if you want Christmas every month like I do, it's the <laughs> thing to do. Anyway, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the show. I hope you enjoyed the interview and the music selection. Go by the, webs or go by the website, send us an email, let us everybody know that you like Rob music best. Not happening, not happening. Let's talk about what's coming up next yes, week. Yes, talk about it. Next week, I'm 90% sure. <laughs> I'm super excited to be interviewing Glenn Loop with uh, Cigar Rights of America. So I've got a lot of questions for him, and hopefully I'll cover everything that you guys want to hear as well. So anyway, uh, tune in next week, and we will have a great show with Glenn Loop from Cigar Rights of America. So guys, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and until next week, stay smoking. <laughs>